I'm Joshua Best. I'm Jacob King. And this is Somebody Somebody Else's Favorite Songs. Casual popular music discussion spanning the past 70 years. We talk about the music you love. And the music you should know that you may not. Take three. Hello there again. We going now? Yes, we are. (laughs) Welcome back to somebody else's favorite songs, folks. It's been a minute. It has been two or three minutes, actually. Yeah. Yeah, roughly two months since our last episode released to begin the year. And this is uh, an episode that is uh, of Josh's conception. You would have heard Hold My Hand. From Hootie and the Blowfish. Josh, can you tell us the reason why we played that song at the top of the episode? Sure. And unless you've been living under a rock, you're familiar with Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. I I recall that nobody really knew who Hootie and the Blowfish were um, when they released that first album. And for some reason, VH1 just played the mess out of this song. It was on there hundreds of times a day, it seemed like, and was actually instrumental, I think, in getting them on the map. And, of course, ultimately that album, uh, Cracked Rear View, um, became one of the most popular and best-selling albums of that year. And of ever. And of, and of ever, yeah. <laughs> Certainly of that decade and of ever, as he said. But something that people may not have known unless they were listening very carefully 
was that there is a very famous person singing background vocals on the song. And you can hear it occasionally as this guy's voice tends to ring through. And he was actually most proud of his uh, his background vocals and singing, which is the thing he was probably most known for. And this song came to my attention in his famous, um, I believe, uncredited guest appearance when David Crosby died not too long ago. And that's who, of course, is is singing on this song. If you didn't know that, and that's a surprise to you, when you go back and listen, you'll never be able not to hear his distinct voice on that song. Certainly not something that I ever would have guessed, honestly, just listening to the song. And again, it's a song that most people probably know, but just listening to it, as it is, I wouldn't have known it was it was David Crosby until you pointed it out. And yes, it is distinctive enough now. And uh, as it happens, uh, one entry on my list is something you pointed out and something that's even more unmistakable, in my opinion. But uh, brings us to the to the subject of this episode, which is sort of loosely based around mostly unknown or unexpected or interesting appearances, whether it's on, whether it's instruments or vocals, uh, appearances on other people's music. Guest, guest stars, we guest might call stars it. Or cameos, we might, or cameos, we might say. Yeah, that would work too. Um, by the time you're hearing this, we will have decided and the title of the episode will be yes. something in one of those realms. Yes, so look out for that. <laughs> so, so you can go back and see what we what we did. Before we get started on on the songs we're going to select today, and, and as usual, Jacob and I have each selected uh, five songs, and we'll, we'll jump into that in a minute. But first, uh, a couple of quick commercials, and I, I didn't tell Jacob that I was going to do this. Um, so he'll just have to be surprised by it. But I wanted to mention something that a podcasting friend of mine uh, asked me uh, specifically to do, and I told him I would. Well, we're not in the business of doing commercials, but my friend Jeff Saunders, whom uh, Jacob has done some music for, I believe, um, (laughs) (laughs) reached out uh, because he has extensive work with a charity and he asked if I would promote it, and I want to do that. The charity is St. Baldrick's, and he um, he told me this. Uh, St. Baldrick's provides funding for childhood cancer research grants and clinical trials and studies. It's all donor-driven, and advertising is mostly through word of mouth and through community events so that more of the money they receive can go towards research. After the U.S. government, St. Baldrick's is the top funder of childhood cancer research in the U.S., um, he's very passionate, uh, about, about that. And he works very tirelessly with that group. And I think that's a great thing, uh, that, that he does and spends a great deal of his time with working with and supporting children with cancer. So if you're, if you're ever mind to do so, we'll put a link in the description. And if you would like to make a donation, um, please, uh, please do that through Jeff's link and, and support that great organization. So just wanted to, to get that in there and, and thanks Jeff for the work and to St. Baldrick's for the work they do for childhood cancers. And my, I, I, I will, I will allow that commercial. I think it's <laughs> a good cause and I, I don't know Jeff very well, 
But I do know his passion for St. Baldrick's does come through on his social media and, and a lot of what he's talking about is related to it. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my second commercial is for a podcast called Five Essential Tracks, <laughs> <laughs> which most of you probably know that Jacob and I co-host with uh, Ben and Joel. And we had a, a release last week. And there'll be another release coming up next week. So it is our intention, now that some things have at least, maybe they haven't gotten settled down from a busyness standpoint, but they've gotten, let's say, settled down into a hectic routine. Uh, some some things are a little more scheduled out now. So it is our, our goal moving forward to hopefully, and the best laid plans and all, but hopefully to have two Five Essential Tracks episodes per month and one somebody else's favorite songs. So I, I, th- I think that is probably a minimum that we should work towards at least one a month of, of this. Yes. And and then two of five essential tracks, especially since the five essential tracks episodes are recorded a bit differently uh, than just you and me in the room. It's easier for us to to work them out. So and and it's necessary that we do those remotely since Ben lives in Vancouver. <laughs> yes, he, he we do have a foreign national uh, yes, yes, co-hosting with us. So if you haven't yet, jump over there and listen to Five Essential Tracks with Jacob and myself and Canadian Ben and Waco Joel. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, those are the commercials. Uh, let's get right to the marginal content with these cameos. D- Jacob, did you have any plan for this as you started uh, putting your ideas together? No, actually, I've, I, I, y'all will probably know that I've made this comment so many times that it's been so difficult for me to come up with, with a list of five. It feels like the most difficult because there's really everything and nothing that you could, you could put on this list as far as, well, there's all kinds of collaborations, but mm-hmm. you know, sure. Vocally, there's duets. Duets don't are not we're not counting for me on this list. I, I was just looking at it from maybe a little less obvious. For instance, um, and I hope that you haven't picked this, but for instance, uh, we're talking about say John and and George collaborating with Ringo, playing on his albums like I'm the Greatest. Yeah, or yeah. That was a little too obvious. Yeah. For this list, in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Maybe lesser known, maybe interesting, I don't know. But it was kind of difficult, and so I hope that my list comes out as cohesive enough. Not that it matters. It hasn't before. The list okay. is the list. So. Yeah, yeah, the list is whatever I say it is. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, what about you? Um, so I, I had some things that I thought were neat that I wanted to highlight, and then I... I was like, well, that's kind of random. I, I want to see if I can have some fun with this. So uh, perhaps this portion of it, Jacob would, would be willing to follow along with and, and emulate um, and make it a guessing game where we'll introduce the track and artist and see if you can tell from listening if you know who the cameo is or who the guest is. So you want me to try to guess? And yes, while we'll we'll while we're okay. listening you can try to guess. But listeners, well, you try to hear and you know sometimes it'll be easy and sometimes okay. it won't be. So let, so we're just gonna introduce the artist and the song and then we'll just we'll talk about the the cameo. Yeah. Okay. See see if you can if you can determine who it is. Again, sometimes it's it's fairly easy, sometimes it's fairly difficult. But then I ended up doing something else 
basically just for my own amusement, which is why I do most things. But And you'll figure out what that is as we go along. So do you want to go first? Yes, I would like to go first. All right. Um, out of the shoot, let's do it. Here's some great guest cameos. That's okay. redundant. Yes, well... Last week, as Josh mentioned, we had five essential tracks come out, and that was by James Taylor. And so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to continue off of uh, the subject, one of the subjects of last week's episode. If you listen to it, then you'll already know we discussed this to some degree. But I want to feature it here because we can do that. This is a song that is well known to people, uh, especially James Taylor fans, anyway. Uh, Carolina in my mind. And I should mention before we listen, if you know the song, it this will probably be unfamiliar to you, this version that we're going to play, because James Taylor re-recorded it years later for his Greatest Hits compilation. So this is the original, recorded in England, 1968. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can you see the sunshine? Now can't you just feel the moonshine And ain't it just like a friend of mine To hit me from behind Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind Karen, she's a silver sun You best walk her away and watch it shine Watch her watch the morning come A silver tear appearing now I'm crying, ain't I? I'm gone to Carolina in my mind There ain't no doubt in no one's mind That love's the finest thing around Whisper something soft and kind And hey babe, the sky's on fire I'm dying, ain't I? I'm gone to Carolina in my mind In my mind I'm gone to Carolina See the sunshine, I can't just feel the moonshine, and ain't it just like a friend of mine to get me from behind? Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. Dark and silent late last night, I think I might have heard the highway call. Geese and flight and dogs at bite. And signs it might be omens say I'm going. Gone to Carolina in my mind Now with a holy host of understanding round me No, still I'm on the dark side of the moon And it looks like it goes on like this forever You must forgive me If it's up in my mind I'm gone to Carolina Sunshine, can't you just feel the moonshine? And ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me from behind? Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Can you see the sunshine? Can you just feel the moonshine? And ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me from behind? I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. Better make it back home 
Well, and if you listened to Five Essential Tracks last week, then you kind of know the backstory. But we can talk about it a little more here. Sure. Well, Josh is not going to need to guess who I'm talking about on this track, but it's actually credited we have Paul McCartney on bass, and uncredited is George Harrison on background vocals. I haven't listened to this version too many times ever, and so... And because it was something I didn't hear for a long time, it's so strange to listen to it just because... Oh, that's awesome. Jo- Josh is, is showing me that he has this album on vinyl. I chose not to get up during the taping. I got it while we were listening to the song. But still, he's gesturing to the to the Apple Core uh, logo in the middle of the, uh, the record as I'm talking. You know, if you like vinyl, um, as many people do now, and you've started off with... Um, garage sale finds or a parent's or relative's old collection or what have you, then you have James Taylor albums. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's funny because my, my pop and Nana, um, they weren't, they were more in the country vein always, but they did have a sweet baby James and they gave it to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've got six or seven of them, uh, but I, I picked this one up after the fact. We didn't have this one when I was a kid. And it's it's cool seeing James Taylor on a on the Beatles Apple label, and the cover you fold it out and it's him laying down. It looks like he's an NBA center. If you yes, yes, it's uh, he he looks like he's uh, seven foot tall and on this yeah. uh, sleeve. It doesn't open up as full as uh, Black Moses, but <laughs> it it does. It's similar, and um, it's interesting because there's. Other than the spine, it doesn't have anything about a title or anything. And the James Taylor at the bottom on the front is almost, you can't see it because it's in yellow and it doesn't stand out. Yeah. Um, so it's very unassuming, but um, yeah, it's it's actually, the whole album is pretty good, but it's very different, as you noticed from hearing that song. Yeah, the, the as I said, the version that everyone is bound to know is he re-recorded it in 19, what, 76 or 7? In that range, yeah, for the Greatest Hits package. There was issues getting this song and Something in the Way She Moves, um, getting them on the compilation as far as just legal reasons. So re-recorded it, and that's, for years, that was the only thing I knew. Yeah, and most people. Uh, I would say the vast majority of people probably know Carolina in my mind, but don't know. <laughs> that the one they know is a remake. Yes, and that the original has Paul McCartney on bass. And once you know that, it makes perfect sense just listening to the bass parts. Mm. Did you mention in your intro the Holy Host of Others lyric? I did um, oh. on Five Essential oh, yeah. Tracks. But yes, the Holy Host of Others is referring to the fact that he was recording during the same time in the same studios as the Beatles while they were recording the White Album. This song sounds... A lot to me. It reminds me of Martha, my dear, as far as the the string arrangements. Oh yeah, that's a, that's me. excellent. It's it's really it really makes a lot of sense considering again same studio, same time frame, and it's still really cool to me that James Taylor was was essentially discovered by, uh, well Peter Asher and who produced this album, but that he ended up being the Beatles, the Apple Records' first foreign signing. I believe, and because I think he responded to an ad, he sent a cassette tape in of his of his work. I, I can't remember the story exactly. Ex- when Josh explained exactly what he meant by the concept of this episode, 
uh, Carolina in my mind was the first song I thought of. You know, it was fresh from Five Essential Tracks. Right. It just made sense, and I thought, okay, maybe I can, I can bridge the gap between the two podcasts and sort of plug it. So. Yeah, and uh, it gives those people who haven't heard it before an opportunity to be to experience it. Yes. Uh, so for my first selection this week, I or this month or this bi-monthly, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Uh, I have chosen a song performed by one Chester Arthur Burnett. Does that name mean anything to you? Well, there's a president in there. <laughs> be Chester A. Arthur, I think. Yes. Um, <clears throat> most people have heard of Chester Arthur Burnett, but when they've heard of him, they use his more common name, which is Howlin' Wolf. Oh, so, okay. The first song I'm going to play is by the legendary... Uh, blues man, uh, Howlin' Wolf. And in reading up a little bit on him, there's so many things I could talk about about Howlin' Wolf and, and his place and how really he died uh, in the mid-70s before the resurgence and interest in blues really came back, and not in small part to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, and, and those guys started to really get their due and their notice and he was already gone. Um, but I'll just share one anecdote about Howlin' Wolf. Um, it seems that his health began to decline in 1969 when he was traveling to a, a show at the University of Chicago and suffered a heart attack. Uh, he was with a guy named Hubert Sumlin, who the report is pulled over, grabbed the two-by-four piece of wood that was lying in the road, and rammed it into Burnett's back, which kick-started his heart. <laughs> what? So, um, I recommend, and I, we all need to do this. We all need to learn how to perform CPR, but I don't think they use the two by four method anymore. <laughs> Probably never did, to be honest. <laughs> but it used that day and it saved Hal and Wolf. <laughs> Allegedly, I'm sure. Uh, so here's, here's, uh, Probably, even though it was written by Willie Dixon, it was recorded and popularized on Chess Records by Howlin' Wolf. This is a song that I bet Jacob hasn't heard, and it's quite amusing. It's called 300 Pounds of Joy. Good. 
what year was this? 1963. Okay. As uh, British invasion is about to happen, um, these guys are making these records, and they're um, sometimes very amusing like this one, but always very heartfelt. Uh, one song reviewer said, the spectacle of hearing a singer boast about how fat he is has been periodically a source of <laughs> entertainment for listeners and performers alike throughout the history of rock, rhythm, and blues. <laughs> Often such songs tread into novelty territory, either by amplifying the more grotesque aspects of this anatomical condition or by treating the subject with over-the-top merriment. The wolf here is not embarrassed nor lighthearted about his weight. He's strutting it, showing it off, and making it implicit that when it comes to good loving, the more the better. <laughs> <laughs> and that last verse, hoy hoy, I'm the boy. I got 300 pounds of heavenly joy. I'm so glad that you understand I'm 300 pounds of muscle and man. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Look what you get. <laughs> So that's a that's a fun song I uh, that I've always found entertaining. But if you were looking to guess the cameo on this song, um, un unless you have a freakishly weird superpower, there's no way you could do it. Um, the cameo here is a bass player, but not a bass player. He's the bass player on this song, but he's not known as a bass player. Okay. He's known as a guitarist. And he was part of Chess Records at the time, but the the guy whose name was Chess um, that founded it couldn't didn't like his guitar playing. He said it was just noise. And so even though he had him signed, uh, oh. he was appearing on other people's stuff. Oh, I'll guess. I'll guess once you finish. Once go you ahead. Finish, no, go ahead and keep. It's well, finish your introduction. So, so this particular guy um, who was from Louisiana, but was you know now in Chicago. Um, sat in and played bass with Howlin' Wolf from time to time and just appeared on other people's stuff until he finally started making records. You know who it is? Well, no, you said New Orleans. See? Well, from um, Louisiana. Well, okay. I was actually thinking Jimi Hendrix because uh, ah. I know that he had, he was Little Richard and he was doing, he was touring and doing session stuff. I don't know. Uh, That's that not my, an unreasonable guess. That was my first guess, guess yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe a little young. He might have been a little young in 63, but because um, what year? Well, he was 27 in 1970 when he died, yeah. I think, or 69. So oh, Okay, so so yeah. That's, he, he, would have, he, that, he was an adult right. anyway. He was, yeah, he was still doing it. Now, the the guy in question who's who's playing bass on this Howlin' Wolf record, somebody who, incidentally, you could go see on tour this year, is the legendary Buddy Guy. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. So, um, but Buddy Guy is is who you got here and making an appearance on on Howlin' Wolf, and of course, he was alive when the blues thing came back, and Stevie Ray recorded a bunch of Buddy Guy tracks, um, in, including, I believe, um, I'm not going to go off the off the. Uh, <laughs> I know "Let Me Love You" was one of them, but I, we'll we'll uh, leave it at that. Uh, but Buddy Guy, as I said, you still go see him. He's on He's a, a, a final tour. He's 86 years old. Um, He's famous for playing a polka-dotted Fender Strat. Yes, yes. And and often wearing wild prints, polka dots in, in many occasions. And he just doesn't play like anybody else. He just has his completely own thing and is 
absolutely revered by guys like Stevie Ray and by Eric Clapton. But it was just a bunch of noise, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess Mr. Chess missed on, no, on that one. He didn't get it. Um, in about 2000, um, when I was, uh, the job I had then, uh, we had a national sales meeting in Chicago. And I went to Buddy Guy's Legends Club, which is uh, the live music venue where... Uh, his stage band plays, and they have all kinds of people. And sometimes Buddy Guy plays there. In fact, I think he he plays there as with a residency throughout the month of of January. I was very hopeful that I'd get a Buddy Guy sighting. I didn't, but uh, the the blues band that was his his traveling band at the time was absolutely fantastic, and it was a great a great night of of awesome Chicago blues in Chicago. So that's a pretty cool experience. So there you are. Uh, my first cameo is Buddy Guy playing the bass on a rather humorous Howlin' Wolf song, 300 Pounds of Joy. Well, okay. that That's something that I was not expecting at all. Yeah. Good. I uh, like that. Well, this one is another. This one is a song that I feel certain that we have mentioned before. And it is. it's one that is a hilarious, hilarious throwaway song that was written in about 15 minutes. And the the guy that co-wrote and recorded the song was hesitant to have it be released as a single. He didn't want it to be. But it ended up being his, uh, his highest charting single of his career. It is from 1978, an album called Excitable Boy. Ah, uh. <laughs> This is Warren Zevon, and the song is Werewolves of London. Gent, who ran a muck in Kent 
Lately he's been overheard in Mayfair You better stay away from him You'll rip your lungs out, Jim I'd like to meet his tailor Taylor. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite line is, "His hair was perfect." <laughs> I like Warren Zevon, and this album is just great. It's great, and it has the most grotesque song I think on a major album release. The title track, "Excitable Boy." <laughs> he, he is he is so weird. I don't think anybody else writes songs like Warren Zevon. No, he I really was don't definitely think so. one of a kind. And the B-side to this single is Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. That's a good one. Now, who writes a song like that? <laughs> That's a good one, though. That's who, a good who, tune. Who writes a song like that? I mean, and you get you get that, and you get uh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money on this album, too. It's This is a good album, though. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really great record. And I, again, went over and picked up my vinyl copy, um, and so I saw the answer, but I wouldn't have been able to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, so the main draw for me, including this song, was that we have um, Mick Fleetwood and John McVie playing on this song. They didn't play on the whole album on drums and bass, but they did play on this one song. Oh, but guys we've mentioned before did play drums and bass all over this album. Uh, Leland Sklar and Russ Kunkel. Yes, uh, there's all kinds of people on this album. Linda Ronstadt's on here. Jack- uh, Jackson Brown Jackson produced Brown it. Jackson Brown produced it, that's right. <laughs> And he also plays guitar. And so I, it's just what you were saying while we were listening to the song. It's just the late 70s, L.A. There's everybody, there's this whole group of people that play on everybody's albums. Jeff Percaro plays Jeff drums Percaro's on a song. Jeff on here, yeah. <laughs> Jim Horn, I think, is on this oh, album yes, as well. Oh, yes, yes. So, I... <laughs> All these names that come up a lot. And, you know, big Warren Zevon, Zevon fans don't love Werewolves of London. It's um, kind of a meme, anyway. It, yeah, but... I do. I, I think it's fantastic. I saw a werewolf <laughs> with a Chinese menu in his hand. Now, who writes a song like that? <laughs> I don't know. But among songs that are popular enough to garner radio play, very few, and not enough, might I add, contain the word mutilated. <laughs> <laughs> Much less little old ladies getting mutilated late last night. And then I love Werewolves of London again. <laughs> Great. He's the hairy-handed gent who ran amok in Kent. <laughs> Lately, he's been overheard in Mayfair. <laughs> Keep going. There's another oh, good one. Uh, you better wait. You better stay away from him. He'll rip, He'll rip your, your lungs, lungs out, out Jim. Jim. <laughs> huh? I'd like to meet his tailor. 
Oh man, I love it. And I did not know about about this um, 40% of Fleetwood Mac, but the namesakes uh, you, being on this. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't be able no, to. You, you wouldn't be able tell to from guess. the playing or anything. It's it's pretty straightforward. But they were they were at the height of fame at that point. So it's a big know, get. Warren Zevon is, uh, you know, a, a songwriter and not the most well known guy ever. But it shows that he had all these big names come and play on his albums. It really it means something. Clearly, he was well liked and respected, regardless of the the strange nature of his songs. No doubt. Very entertaining. For to get a big dish of beef chow mein. <laughs> for to get. That's another one of those phrases. Yes, for to get. I wonder if they gave chase to the werewolves of London. Anyway. Once again, we're podcasting for each other at this moment. <laughs> but isn't that what we've been doing for 42 episodes previously? Yeah, well, that was sort of the idea behind it. Um, so if you're going to listen in on our ridiculous conversation, sometimes you're not going to know what we're talking about. <laughs> but we try to avoid that. Um, so, uh, no introduction. I'm just going to play the song. And perhaps it's a song that you know. I think perhaps... If you're paying attention, you'll recognize the artist. I will say that the song was written by John Hyatt. But see if you can figure out who the guest performer is. Downhill the river Reach to see And in this sticky heat, I feel you open up to me. Love comes out of nowhere, baby, just like a hurricane, and it feels like rain.
So that was Feels Like Rain by Buddy Guy. And if you're listening carefully, when that slide guitar steps in, you know who it is. Who is it, Jacob? That would be Bonnie Raitt. Absolutely. And so this album was released uh, when I was in high school, uh, shortly before I graduated from high school in March of, of 93. And it's, uh, it's, it's really great. It's got several different uh, several different things on it. Uh, Ray Charles number, a Junior Wells number, a Marvin Gaye number. Um, Buddy Guy's own. She's a superstar, which you may be familiar with. Um, just it's it's really it's really great. Uh, his cover of some kind of wonderful. But the standout track here is the title track. Uh, Feels Like Rain, which was a song that was only five years old at the time, as I said, was written by John Hyatt. Uh, just a fantastic and wonderful song. Uh, but the, the cameo appearance here is, is, of course, the great Bonnie Raitt. And at this point, she had, um, she had achieved commercial success, but she, she actually operated in relative anonymity despite... Um, great respect from her peers. Uh, early in her career, she appeared on uh, and with uh, repeatedly uh, Little Feet, and uh, she sings background vocals along with Emmylou Harris on the Dixie Chicken album. And you can take uh, in a video, uh, I believe it's a Midnight Special video of Lowell George and Little Feet performing Dixie Chicken, and there's Emmylou Harris and Bonnie Raitt back there. Oh, that's cool. And so, obviously, um, Lowell George being a slide player, Bonnie Raitt being a slide player, they later collaborated a little bit on his solo album. Um, but I mention all of that to also mention that on this song and album, two members of Little Feet appear. Richie Hayward, one of my favorite drummers, is playing the drums, and Bill Payne, the keyboardist, is, is playing um, the piano. So there's a connection there that goes all around. Any of those could have been... Uh, cameo type stuff, but kind of like the Heartbreakers, it, it it would be tough to throw a rock at a session and not get a member of Little Feet through uh, the 80s and 90s because those guys were everywhere. But to put a bow on Bonnie Raitt, of course, it was in, I believe, 1990 that Nick of Time came out and gave her her first true commercial success, also with a John Hyatt song, her version of Thing, Thing Called, Called Love. Love. And uh, Nick of Time, of course, is just a, a great song uh, itself, too. And then she turned that around just a couple of years later um, with her album Luck of the Draw, where she gave us something to talk about and her most popular tune, I Can't Make You Love Me. And speaking of, of uh, still on tour today and released a new album this year, uh, which I've only heard one song off of, but it was really, really good. Um, at 73, you can go see Bonnie Raitt, and Joel was trying to get me to do that, and I, I don't know if it's passed yet, but I kind of wished I had agreed to do it, because she still looks exactly the same, and she still sounds fantastic. I, I don't <clears throat> I don't know too much about Bonnie Raitt, outside of the highlights you just mentioned, and the fact that she's always on lists of well-respected guitarists, and, you know, Rolling Stones, and all that, so... 
Now, I know that she's known for playing a strat and obviously for slide more than anything else. With a medicine bottle. Yes. And she, her slide is, is different from, from everybody else. Um, different approach, maybe. It, I, I don't know. Whereas, you know, George Harrison is also a very distinctive slide distinctive player. Distinctive slide player, for sure. You can tell that it's him playing. Bonnie Raitt is the same way. It's her tone and, and her style... As soon, if you if you have any familiarity with Bonnie Raitt and you didn't know that song, as soon as the first note of the solo came in, you thought, oh, well, that's Bonnie Raitt. Mm-hmm. And I just think it is so cool that somebody using an instrument can be so identifiable. Uh, so that's my, that's my second cameo appearance on Buddy Guy's song, Bonnie Raitt. Well, I am going to go out of order because we're talking about slide guitar. We're talking about George Harrison. I'm giving it away, but... Um, speaking of the distinction of, of slide playing, Josh already knows what song it's going to be. I don't. Uh, oh, well, you, you reached for Spotify really quickly. Let's hear Day After Day by Badfinger. Oh, okay.
I gave it away just because we it, we just naturally came up with George Harrison. Yes, his right. slide playing is distinctive, but really it is. It is, and it's doubled here. Um, Pete Ham, is he yes. playing lead? Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 doubled, so they're both they're both playing it. But um, George Harrison, of course, produced um, several songs on this album straight up, and the rest were produced by Todd Rundgren. Yes, indeed. I remember that as well. Once again, I, I went over and grabbed my vinyl copy. Yes, you, as you're wont to do, you, you gave chase to the to the pressing. I did. If if you're of a mind to be interested in album covers, this is an interesting one. Um, we, we had a lot to say while we yes. were listening to the song. The 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 hair is amusing, but so, their hair was perfect. Yes, it, it it's perfect. I guess. Um, I just I find it interesting all the hair that is in this very uh very brown photograph it's in color but it looks like it's got a sepia filter over it (laughs) google bad fingers straight up and take a look at the front of that album and you'll you'll see what appears to be dan Aykroyd in a wig right in the middle of it (laughs) or with a porcupine on his head or something i don't know anyway talk about day after day the great bad finger song well it's their highest uh biggest charting hit in in the united states and went to number four but uh, it is from, as you already said, the album Straight Up from 1971. And uh, George Harrison produced the song, but his slide playing is very distinct here. And it co- coincides perfectly with uh, George's first two solo records, All Things Must Pass, and then Living in the Material World. But you know, we, we didn't get much slide playing from George in the Beatles, and so... It's almost as if it came out of nowhere. Yeah. If you just taking it, um, you know, looking at it in general, and, and you know, and again, it's it's not necessarily the most inventive selection for this list. I mean, you know, Badfinger, a band from Wales, they were originally called the Ivies, among other things, but they were also on to Apple Records. So it's not as if it was, you know, some sort of random collaboration. You know. Yeah. But. We, you know, I, this was actually a bit of an outside selection for my list, but I decided since George Harrison organically came up that I wanted to include it. Uh, and I'm always in favor of, of including a little bad finger. I, I, I really like them, and uh, it's tragedy. They had at least two suicides. Yes, two. And only one member is, is, is still around, and that, that's a real shame because they, they had some 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 really really great songs and uh i i enjoy them a whole lot me too so yeah george harrison um cameo on this and produced it you know i I wanted to go back and say one more thing that you know a lot of slide playing is is heavily based in blues but you don't get that from from george no and you don't really you don't get that as much from bonnie Raitt. But George especially, he is not a blues-based slide player. Well, I'd say Bonnie Raitt probably is a blues-based slide player, but... She has a distinctive approach. Yes. That's what I mean. But George is... I would say there's two main lines of slide playing, blues and Hawaiian. And George's influence is the Hawaiian. Yeah, that's true. The the perfect, perfect pitch... uh, I don't know. It just doesn't sound like anybody else. Yeah, don't don't get me trying to break down slide guitar playing because I've never been good at it and I've tried. But all I can say is that when you hear George, you know it's George. Mm-hmm. And it's all over his solo stuff. Yeah. 
Okay, so what do you have next, Josh? Okay, so would you care to pick the artist for my next song? Would you care to guess? Is it is it going to be a Beatle? No. Okay. Is it, it going to be Buddy Guy? No. Is it going to be Stevie Ray Vaughan? No. Okay, well then, why are you having me pick? There's an infinite number of people I could be choosing. Well, it's going to be Bonnie Raitt. Oh, look, you're, you got this overlapping situation uh-huh. going on here. <laughs> so here's a Bonnie Raitt song. It was not a hit. It's on an album I referred to earlier called Luck of the Draw. And the cameo appearance on this song is very out there in front. Um, it's a duet. And see if you recognize this guy. So that was Good Man, Good Woman. And if you're not familiar with it, but you know a little little music history. And a little Seth's lore. And a little Seth's lore. You know that the duet and harmonica player, uh, that was, of course, the legendary and great Delbert McClinton, who played harmonica on Bruce Chanel's number one hit, Hey Baby, and in fact was inducted into the Texas Texas Heritage Songwriters Hall of Fame in March of 2011, along with Bruce. So there you can find uh, both of them in that Hall of Fame together and inducted at the same time fittingly. But Delbert has played with and written songs for just dozens and dozens of people since his first stage appearance in 1957. 
And wow. he just recently retired. Although I did see um, some event that he was going to be doing a one-off performance at. Of course, he's 82 years old now. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I've seen Delbert three times. Uh, the Once first was time, Valley Fest, right? Um, yes, yes. In the 2000s, I would say, I saw him at, at Alley Fest. And I saw him about six or seven years ago um, at a festival also in Longview. I don't remember. I think it was at the fairgrounds. I don't remember what, what the event was. Um, and uh, he was still fantastic. But the first time I saw him was at something that used to happen in um, over in Tyler uh, called the Festival on the Square. And they would have um, artists that would play there. And one night I saw um, Delbert McClinton and Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Oh, you've seen Kenny Wayne Shepherd. That's yes. pretty cool. Yes. Um, and before this started, um, of course, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, well known in this area, and, and still he, is somebody that people know. A blues guitarist, very <clears throat> much in the vein of, of Steve Ray Vaughan and others. Yes, and his, I believe, father, Shotgun Ken Shepherd, was on the radio in Shreveport, if my memory serves me correctly, from 30 years ago. I didn't know he was from this area ish, <clears throat> Kenny Wayne Shepherd. I'm not certain that whether he was or not, but I know his father um, was on the he radio. He was a radio personality yeah. then. And it was Shotgun Ken Shepard. <laughs> um, just, uh, yes, uh, yes, Kenny Wayne was born in Shreveport. So okay, that, did not that, know that. That checks out. So uh, as far as Delbert, the, that show was very memorable for me. Um, it was probably about 1994, and somewhere in a box around here, I've got the, the little paper that they handed out that's got Delbert and Kenny Wayne on the front of it. And we... Uh, met Kenny Wayne after he played. Oh, that's cool. And uh, that was neat. But before the evening started, um, I'm looking for a place to get uh, Coke or something. And standing over right outside this little fence that was not closed in by a tree, standing there, was Delbert McClinton. And I recognized him because I'm a huge Delbert McClinton fan. And went over and talked to him, just me and him, uh, shook his hand. I told him, uh, I, I used the Bruce Chanel connection to make my introduction <laughs> so that he would talk to me. And so he did. <laughs> and so he did. And I had a nice little conversation with him, thanked him and headed back in and then watched him play. And it was just fantastic. And instantly that show was the very first time I saw in person a, a Hammond organ with a Leslie speaker. And that in Leslie person. speaker was just spinning around. That's awesome. And I was enamored. I That's absolutely loved it. <laughs> so there is my third cameo. It's Delbert McClinton on Bonnie Raitt's Good Man, Good Woman. Well, that is, that is a cool one. And a mention of Kenny Wayne Shepherd. I haven't heard his name come up in a long time. Blue on black. He's, a young, he's about your age, actually. Yeah, he's a few years younger than me. Let's see. Let's go back to uh, 1975, David Bowie, a guy that we have not discussed much, and I, I like David Bowie, especially especially uh, Let's Dance is a, a favorite album of mine, but um, I want to go to 1975, and uh, this is a song called Fame, 
which everyone probably knows, but <laughs> I, the cameo in this song, I did not know until I was researching for this episode. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know it. Ah. I didn't know it. Well, if you don't know it, listener, you'll be surprised by who it is. Yes. So, from Yoko Ono soprano to Johnny Cash bass profundo is quoted as John Lennon is who that is. That's the cameo. Yes, it is. And I had no idea. You wouldn't have any idea. But all of anybody saying the word fame in that song that's not David Bowie is John Lennon. This is the second time we've featured David Bowie. The first time was in an episode of uh, Classic 45s. And yeah, and I, I did Let's Dance, Let's Dance yes. because I, I like that record and I like that song. I've said before that I've never been able to get into Bowie. We've, we, both have, we both have echoed that. But there's several songs. There's still several songs that I do like, and that one's pretty weird. But it's, but it's not, not so much that 
it's not weird for the sake of being weird. Like some of his stuff seem feels like to me it is. I understand what you mean. There, uh, there's two or three albums I'm really into, including, like I said, Let's Dance. But outside of that, there's a lot of songs individually that I really enjoy and always have enjoyed. This one is a really cool song, actually. Musically, it's it's funk, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it represents David Bowie and John Lennon, their their dissatisfaction with with fame, a double edged sword. I mean, um, talking about being popular and famous and having a bunch of money, but at the same time, Bowie was was in a legal battle with his former manager, and so, you know, e- any of these lines are sort of like one or the other. Fame, what you like is in the limo. What you get is no tomorrow. You know that sort of thing. Just contrasts mm-hmm. there. And as I said, it was it was co-written by John Lennon and David Bowie, and also a frequent collaborator of David Bowie. His name is Carlos Alomar, and he is a, a, something of a sideman to Bowie over the years, including along with another guy named Earl Slick. You may have heard that name. Mm-hmm. Both frequent collaborators on guitar. Uh, so they wrote this song together, and uh, as I said, Lennon on backing vocals and on guitar. So a cameo that I did not know about. I, I just didn't. Uh, apparently, John Lennon and David Bowie met as John was coming out of his lost weekend, mm-hmm. his separation from Yoko Ono. And so once he and Yoko got back together is when they happened to have had a jam session where this song came about. Wow. So, I'm getting a lot of Beatles on on my end of, I like the, that. of the list. I like as that. As it turns out, I was I was thinking about when I was listening to that back in the I'd say late '90s. Uh, Saturday Night Live was hosted by Jerry Seinfeld, and David Bowie was a musical guest, and they had this hilarious uh, spot that they did for it, where they it just shows them standing there, and and Bowie looks at Seinfeld and said, Are "You gonna do that thing about did you ever notice?" And he was like, "Yeah." Are you going to sing Changes? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny. That's, that's, my, that's my David Bowie anecdote. That's what I know. <laughs> well, I suppose I should have one mention of, of the fourth Beatle, Ringo, uh, except I guess there really isn't anything I can think of besides playing drums in Tom Petty's music video for I Won't Back Down. So I guess there's my little addition to have all four Beatles mentioned in some way. Now, are we coming around to your last selection? No, I believe this is my no, fourth. No, this is your fourth, because yeah. I'm going to be... Yeah, I'm having my last. So what's your fourth? Okay. So would you like to guess what my artist will be? Well, I'm guessing, based on what we're talking about here, how it's gone for you, uh, then you're going to pick a Delbert McClinton song. That is correct. Your, as your fourth one. I will be picking a Delbert McClinton song, one of my very favorite albums. Probably not making my top 20, but... It's a it's a great great record that I love by Delbert from 1992. I was a junior in high school, called "Never Been Rocked Enough," and there's cameos all over this album. There's, I think I might know where you're going. I'll, I'll save my comments. There's Melissa Etheridge. There's Francine Reed, and I believe uncredited, there is this guy. The song is called "Why Me." Take a listen. I met her in a nightclub over 
Well, that's unmistakable. Yeah, absolutely. That, of course, is Tom Petty on backing vocals uh, with Delbert McClinton on Why Me. Uh, great and fun little song in the theme of uh, uh, kind of a Dixie Chicken type thing. And uh, she runs, runs through all his money and disappears. And so when I met Delbert that night, one of the questions I asked him was, how how did Tom Petty end up singing on Why Me? Because that was his most recent album, you know? That must have seemed like a random question. Yeah, uh, uh, and he said, well, I just called him up and asked him if he'd do it, and he said yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's probably as simple as that for a lot of this stuff. I know, and it's just so, so incredible. I mean, you know, at that point, you know, Petty is, he's become huge. I mean, yeah. just absolutely huge. And here he is uncredited on, although Delbert is greatly respected among musicians and has played and written for so many different people. Um, other than um, his, um, his, his uh, major hit, the, the title of which just totally left me. I tell you what, I'm struggling to remember stuff. What's his big hit? Oh, Giving It Up For Your Love. Duh. Oh, <laughs> Great song. <laughs> to to finish my point, um, outside of being known for that song, not much of a household name among the general public. So with Petty kind of flying high right there, and for him to come over and do that, it shows the respect. And once he starts singing, you know who it is. Come on. everybody, All you who know who Tom yeah. Petty is, when that chorus started, you knew it was yep. T.P. Yep. <clears throat> so... Um, that is my fourth selection, and Jacob has has already figured out my pattern that whoever is the cameo is the primary artist in my next selection. And so, yes, I perhaps have selected a a Tom Petty song for for my my last one. But if that's the one you had picked and you think it might be the same one, go ahead. Answer me one question. Your fifth selection, a Tom Petty song, is it from the same era as as Why Not Me? Um, pretty close. Okay, well, I'm going to let you have it. I'm pretty sure that we picked the same one, and if I'm wrong, I'll mention it after the fact. Okay. Uh, so, let me go to an artist that I have now seen twice in concert, and Josh has also seen twice in concert, and we will be seeing them again in a couple of sh- in a few short weeks. And that is Dawes. I'm going to play a song from their second album, 
from 2011 called Nothing Is Wrong. And the song is called Fire Away. that song have you Josh I don't think so uh I liked it I I there's a lot to like about Dawes yes there is and you know they're they're quickly becoming one of my favorite artists as as much as I've uh dove into their catalog you know the first time we saw them inadvertently was when they opened for um ELO back in what 2018 was that that was when John Alyssa got married yeah is that right yeah y'all were 17 yeah. And so 18, yeah. August of 18. So we, uh, the four of us, <laughs> uh, went to that concert and Dawes opened for them. And I was so taken by their song, From a Window Seat, which I have uh, featured on the show yes. in in the first few episodes. And, you know, we if, certainly if you want to talk about power, if I want to talk about my favorite artists in terms of power rankings, like what I'm listening to a lot lately, uh-huh. 
they're in like top five favorite artists right now. Bahamas, yeah. Dawes. But uh, I've been wearing out their latest album, Misadventures of Doom Scroller. It's truly a brilliant concept album. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I hear a lot of things in it that are very musically interesting. And whether uh, conscious or not, n- nods to other artists and bands that I like. Yes. Uh, some are just happenstance. Some may be direct uh, nods. You never know. But I I get a lot of... There's some, there's some Steely Dan type stuff that they yes. do on that album. Yes, yes, um, They... Um, free flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a, there is a nod to George Harrison in the last song that just, I, it has to be, Yeah, it just has to be. Um, yeah, but a lot of their, a lot of their best work, um, reminds me a lot of, uh, some of the things that Jackson Brown did. And I think I remember you telling me one time that they had some connection there. Yes. Yes, uh, you know, when you listen, if when you look at the totality of their catalog, you hear a lot of, of uh, it, it just feels a lot like late '70s type of rock music that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. All of the same, you know, the LA scene, and the longer form of, stuff like the Pretender and things like that. Yes, uh, yes, I hear a lot of that in there. It. There's folk rock in here. There's rock. There's lots of great harmonies. There's great songwriting. There's so many things that that are feel like whether intentional or not, just callbacks to that era. And uh, yes, Josh is hitting the nail on the head. Jackson Brown sang uh, backing vocals on this song. There you go. And you have to wait all the way to the end, but he does get he does get his own line where it's unmistakably Jackson Brown, but throughout the whole song, he's singing a harmony. And uh, incidentally, Ben Montage plays on this song. But that's not as much of a cameo because Ben Mod has has been a prolific session yeah. musician. Again, anyway. throw a rock, you're liable yeah. to hit a heartbreaker. So that's also a cameo. He was he played on several of these songs on this album. Since I'm letting Josh have, I'm gonna let Josh have his fifth song. That way, his his concept for his five songs is not derailed. Well, I could have picked another song by Tom Petty. There are other cameos in his. Well. I, can Oubre. I just can I just introduce the song for you and and see if maybe I get it right? Uh, you can introduce the song and then listeners see if you can figure out who the collaboration is with because it is prominent. Well, as I look into Josh's eyes, into his glasses, I see the yellow artwork <laughs> on his iPad, and I knew I was right. This is from their mm-hmm. album that accompanies a um, a movie called um, "She's the One" from what nineteen ninety four five six. Okay. Uh, so the album is called She's the One, the soundtrack, and the song on there is called Walls, parentheses, Circus. Walls, Circus. Some days of diamonds Some days of rocks Some doors are Some roads are blind. 
sure glad I got that right because I, inter- I if I'd introduced the wrong song I would have been embarrassed <laughs> well it uh, is uh, from as Jacob said songs and music from she's the one um, an album that contains largely leftover tracks from the wildflower sessions and a really cool compilation yeah there's a lot of really good songs on on that album that is not an album that you're going to hear people mention among Tom Petty's great albums, either early or late period, but it's an overlooked gem. And the background vocals that you heard were performed by Lindsey Buckingham <laughs> uh, from Fleetwood Mac, who also sings backup vocals on Climb That Hill, the fourth song on the album. Oh, does he? Yes. Didn't know that one. And then later, um, in 2002-ish, when The Last DJ that came out. That was 2002. Um, Lindsey Buckingham again joins Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers and sings backing vocals on The Man Who Loves Women. And falling in love every day. There you go. So, but this song, Walls, when it when it comes to, to songs that, um, obviously, we've talked about Tom Petty is very, very personal to us and very, very personal to me. And when I got this CD... And plugged it in, and that song came out. It was one of the most joyous sounds I'd ever heard. You've got 
the the Rickenbacker, of course, uh, you know, just completely uh, not mistakable. Um, you've got the fairground feel. You've got a great set of lyrics that begins with, some days are diamonds, some days are rocks. And that was something that Johnny Cash said to Tom Petty. And he took that and used it for, for this song, Walls. And it's it's one of my my favorite songs. And it's, the the joy that I still feel when I when I hear it is that level that also gives me a little bit of that bittersweet sadness and reminds me that TP's not here anymore. And Sometimes it's a hard listen still to this day. He's been gone over, over about five and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I'm okay with it. And sometimes I can't listen a lot because of the huge impact um, on my musical life and just the music that accompanied my life in in general that, that Tom had for me. And it, it I still sometimes get a little bit emotional. And that was one of those times that just really remembering that time in 1996 and and being able to to think back and it just takes you there but that's the that's the last cameo so uh lindsey buckingham so i selected uh, oh were you gonna say well i was just i was just gonna echo a lot of what you said i was just gonna just point out that uh, i guess they just called lindsey buckingham and said listen come in the studio and just go crazy because his his uh his part here is just all over the place. It is. It's it's wild and crazy and part of the fun. Um, but if you know what he sounds like, it's unmistakable. And that was actually this, I referenced at the very beginning of the episode that a song that Josh pointed out, okay, this is Lindsey Buckingham. And so it's unmistakably Lindsey Buckingham. So great way to end the episode. So I selected... <clears throat> 300 Pounds of Joy by Howlin' Wolf. Speaking of joy. Which features which features Buddy Guy. And then I picked Feels Like Rain by Buddy Guy, which features Bonnie Raitt. Then I picked Good Woman, Good Man by Bonnie Raitt, which features Delbert McClinton. Then I picked Why Me by Delbert McClinton, which features Tom Petty. And then I picked Wall Circus by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, featuring Lindsey Buckingham. That is that is very clever. I don't, thank you. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you stumbled into that, but very clever indeed. Uh, thank you. Uh, so my list uh, a little more uh, all over the place, but still heavy Beatles references here. Um, I began with Carolina in my mind from James Taylor, which featured Paul on bass, George on backing vocals, and then we have the Werewolves of London, Warren Zevon, which featured Mick Fleetwood and John McVie on bass, or well. Fleetwood on drums and Nick V on bass. And then we have Bad Fingers Day After Day, which featured George uh, producing the track and playing slide guitar. And then Fame by David Bowie, which has John Lennon on guitar and vocals. And then I ended with Dawes Fire Away, which has Jackson Brown on backing vocals. Outstanding. It's an interesting list, isn't it? Ah, fun, fun stuff, fun stuff. And <clears throat> I will just say... I did not get the idea to connect all of mine together like that and then work hard to fill it out. I just stumbled into it because I pretty early knew that I wanted to pick Wall Circus. And I also knew that I love Tom Petty's cameo on Why Me by Delbert McClinton. And I knew it was a song that that most people probably wouldn't know, but it would be fun to try to guess who it was. And 
and and then I thought, well, you know, Delbert McClinton sang on Bonnie Raitt's, and then it just I, I said, wait a minute, this is they're kind of connecting, <laughs> and so I just I the worked back emerges. from there, and 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 ended up the hardest one was I. I, there were several options for Bonnie Raitt's cameo appearances. I could have done some of the uh, Little Feet stuff we talked about or any number of other things, but I really wanted to do Feels Like Rain and Buddy Guy. And so then the only thing I had to search to make fit was what was I going to do with Buddy Guy. And when I discovered and learned that he was playing bass on a Howlin' Wolf song that I like and think is funny... Um, it, it worked out. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And I'm very pleased that you have all of those Beatles references. Um, because as you listeners know, um, the Beatles are the starting point for both of us and it only makes sense. And I bet you learned some things you did not know that the Beatles were a part of in this episode. And it was really interesting. Several episodes I can think of where we organically have similar thought processes or, or similar artists that come up organically. Uh, both of us featured songs that were related to Fleetwood Mac, for instance. Mm-hmm. And something I forgot to mention about Walls was that Dawes covered Walls uh, a couple of years ago as a tribute to Tom Petty. So anyway, I all, can all, see kinds, that. all kinds of intertwined stuff going on here. I can definitely see that. So that is our episode on guest appearances or cameos, and I thought it was terribly fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to it, and uh, we will return um, at a future date that hopefully will not be as long as our last hiatus. In the meantime, yes, listen in, in to the meantime. in the meantime, listen to five essential tracks. Give us a rating, like both podcasts on Apple and Spotify. And Spotify, we will greatly appreciate that. And if you're of a mind to do something charitable, give some money to St. Baldrick's and help children fight cancer. So that brings us, uh, I believe, to a close. We don't have a cameo here, but we have a lot of people who did, and that's what we've been talking about today. Till next time, I'm Josh. I'm Jacob. This has been somebody Somebody else's else's favorite songs. songs.